People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. forget though uh growing up i don't know if you guys remember <coughs> this but he had uh he got, he didn't get in trouble or he got in trouble like late after like way after the fact but he he was what he was doing was taking uh basically taking people's money because he was he was too busy being the warrior and not fulfilling what he was promising and he had this like uh you would send away for this fucking ultimate warrior, like, uh, like fucking warrior's kid or some shit, and it was like, it came with, um, like, protein and, like, armbands and, like, a few weights, and, like, you were supposed to be able to, like, work out, almost like a, what DDP yoga is now, but, like, way back, very fucking simple and you know, just not well put together deal. And he was charging like $100, $200 a pop. And apparently people were sending him money. And then what he would do was like, because he couldn't keep up with the the schedule of his own business, because he was too busy working for WWF, he was just like basically getting all this money in the mail for free. And then instead of making good on all the promises of like, hey, 60 people ordered, I gotta send out 60 orders. And he just kept the money. And he would send off, like, packages that were either half-assed or whatever. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but that was a big deal back in the day. <laughs> no, I do not remember that. <laughs> Holy fuck. If that were to happen nowadays, he would be sued. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would definitely not be working along with Amazon. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't know, I guess the warrior for me is just one of those childhood things like Hogan's like, yeah, I know he's a douchebag, but there's a special spot in my heart that like when you see him come out and that crazy entrance music, you can't help but get pumped. Yeah. And it's like, no matter how stupid, and you look at it now, you're like, yeah, this is kind of stupid. But it's like, you had this sense of security, like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. The warrior's here. Wait, uh, <laughs> we, I was talking to him about that last week, and he, because he didn't grow up with that Hulk Hogan. We did. Yes. He didn't, you know? And, like, I can only explain it so much because a lot of it was just, uh, like, a, a perfect storm of things happening, you know? You had Hulk Hogan, the real American hero, and that was a huge deal back then, but, like, not to read too much into it, like, they played off of the Cold War with Russia, and you had, you had you know, heel wrestlers who were Russian, and that they got big pops because they were the fucking commies, and they were, you know... And not that Hogan was, like, strictly against Russian wrestlers, but 
Hogan made you believe. Hogan made you believe that no matter what came his way, he was able to defeat it. it they weren't squash matches. You're he right. came out. He gave him. He gave him uh, every opportunity to beat him down, and then he would fucking hawk back up, and boom, he's the he's the winner. He's the champ. You know. Yeah, definitely for me. Um, no matter who the Hulkster fought, I mean, I st- I loved Hulkster, loved Warrior, loved Macho. But no matter who Hogan faced, it was hard for me to cheer for Macho. It was hard for me to cheer for for Ward because Hogan was always my guy. And it, it, it was it was just really weird. It was hard. As big as, <laughs> as, big for a as kid, Ma- as big as Mach was, though, I I felt the same way. Like he was never he was never up there. Yeah, like Hulk was. Right. He just wasn't. No matter how much they pushed him, he just wasn't Hulk Hogan. And and quite honestly, if we're talking about like eighties wrestling in well eighties WWF, you're you don't get any bigger than Hulk Hogan. I don't care, give a fuck who you are. And and that was, that's just he was up on that level. He was on that pedestal, and there was no way you were knocking him off, even when he wasn't champ. You're right. Even when he wasn't champ, you couldn't go out there and be like, oh, he's bigger than Hulk. No, no, that just didn't happen. It just didn't fucking happen. And looking back now, you know, being older and <laughs> wiser, obviously Macho was a way better worker than, you know, Hogan or the Warrior. Oh, yeah, good God. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, didn't realize that until I grew up. And I don't mean five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh,. I guess we'll just go. We'll go around. We'll, we'll start with you. Um, what what got you into wrestling? Are we on now? Yeah, we're oh, on now. Okay. What got you into wrestling? What, what, why did you start watching wrestling? I love to answer this question. It takes me back. I can I can remember right now. Saturday night's main event is what I really think started, and definitely the Saturday morning. Uh, what was it? Uh, Superstars, and then Challenge was on Sundays. Um, my dad. I was watching with my dad. I remember Saturday night's main event was in place of Saturday Night Live, uh, uh, one Saturday night out of the month. And I would stay up with my dad, and we would eat mush-up cookies. And for those of you who don't know what mush-up cookies are, they were Chips Ahoy that used to be awesome. The glass of milk, you dump them in there, and you mush them over the spoon, and you just eat it. That was oh, yeah. mush-up cookies. The best, dude. Anyway, watching it with my dad and being able to stay up late and just seeing these like just seeing that it's like wow and, and seeing the hulkster just i mean there's a lot of special wrestlers that i that i love the hitman i can go on forever then they all have special places but like we said earlier uh the hulkster is will always be number one for me even though i don't look at it the same as when i was a child as much so yeah there's my answer no that's why you started watching it. Why did why did you like if you had if, if you could nail it down to one match, what what was the match that like solidified like yeah, I definitely have to watch more of this. <sighs> Put him on the spot already. This is that's, that's <laughs> it's, a tough it's, one. It's it's really hard to remember yeah. this because I was such a little dude. Um cuz I always saw things in different order. Um 
We used to go to the video store a lot. Yeah, me too. Starship Video. Yep, Starship Video. And I would just rent any wrestling I could. <laughs> and there would be times where I'd rent the same tape, you know, a couple trips in a row. Yeah. <laughs> but the suspense was always there. <laughs> like I was going to get a different result out of a match. Um, That's some of the Some of the magic of being a child, I guess. Uh, I... I I can't say I remember a match that did it for me. Uh, it might pop back in a few minutes, um, but getting back to watching it with my dad, my dad getting me into it, and then my little brother getting into it with me. Um, going to live events at the, then the Rosemont Horizon, um, and and back then they were all house shows. Um, just just seeing the uh, I I know this has been answered like this a million times, but uh, larger than life. Um, you know, heroes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, shit. Uh, the first time I saw, I never got to see Andre live, but uh, seeing Big Show when we were at a house show. Oh, yeah. At, at, a, at, at an event. I don't even know if it was a house show, but seeing that big motherfucker, it was just like, wow. It's very surreal. Very it, surreal. It doesn't really matter for, for a guy like Big Show. I, I, I saw him at a house show. I, I want to say like three, four years ago, and you know I'm at this point in my mid twenties, and I still feel like an ant, just being, you know, I was probably like maybe thirty yards away from him, and just seeing that that man walk down and the everything over this the size, the just everything about him, just is it, it, it's it's mind boggling how somebody like him. Uh, that larger in life does what he does and then watching him at a younger age and seeing what he was able to do especially them I mean, he's older now and yeah. you know body's caught up with him but just what he was able to do is one of the most underrated performers i think uh, we've seen in this generation because man it's it doesn't matter if you're a little kid or if you're you know an adult like myself seeing him live is is, is something that you you'll remember, never forget. Do you remember when he was in WCW and he was just the giant and he fucking, mm-hmm. like, every, periodically he would get up and do, like, fucking, like, missile drop kicks off oh, the yeah. top rope? Like, holy yeah. fuck. I mean, he also <laughs> wasn't, like, 500 pounds then, but he was still huge. He was still huge, He was still yeah. huge. And, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. I've always, I've always had a huge respect with guys of that size, whether you're 7'2 or whatever. But when you can get on the rope, like if you're, you know, Vader or Bam Bam oh, Bigelow, God, yeah. and you have the balls to do what they do, and not only that, the ability to do it is is unbelievable. I've I've always found that amazing. So that's that's one thing that I think a lot of people now forget about Big Show is that they look at him now and it's like, who cares? Which I can see that in as far as storyline purposes, but let's not forget what this man was able to do. True. Back in the day, but True. yeah, it's 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 an unreal experience. Anytime you can see him live. While you're talking, uh, what what got you started with wrestling? Well, I I think and and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but I want to say that I'm part of the last generation of channel surfing before we had uh, boxes that told you what was on. You can go pick up from a menu. 
you had to flip a screen. I mean, you had the TV guy channel, but if you weren't patient like me, you weren't going to wait for it to rotate through. <laughs> so uh, I'm just flipping channels, and I see this, this, this massive man running through somebody verbally on a microphone being interviewed by some old guy who's balding with a really thick mustache by the name of Mean Gene Oakland. He was actually you know, had no hair at this time, but he had like the little circle around his a head. Toilet seat haircut. Toilet seat haircut. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and and then the man said, "Can you dig it, sucker?" And I was like, "I don't know if I can, but I want to. I want to keep watching to find out if I can." Uh, Booker T was was my gateway to to wrestling in the sense that Metallica was my gateway to to metal. And as soon in, in the exact, and I use that story that, that same because I had the exact same storyline where I was so excited by what I saw, and I went to school the next day, and I told him, I was like, "Hey, you, you know about this thing called wrestling? Like, like it's like it's like this like this brand new thing that I discovered." I thought you were gonna tell me you were calling everybody suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was. I don't know. I was I was like six. Six or seven at the time, and and they're like, yeah, and you know they're they're telling me about this this other promotion called WWF, and uh, so I was like, there's there's two, there's two of them, um, and, and I got and I got hooked, and then I I got introduced to Bret Hart, uh, who at the time was a bad guy, which I didn't ever realize that he was for the longest time in the early nineties was a good at that time, he was a good guy. So he, I mean, he's Bret Hart, he's He's running down America with his with his brothers, and, uh, and he's fighting this guy by the name of Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I was just I was completely just flabbergasted by what I saw. I mean, Stone Cold, what Booker T was like my Metallica, Stone Cold was like my Slayer, where it's like, wow, that's a that's something way different <laughs> than what I than what I'm seeing here. There's this guy, and I have. Uh, I have a my, I have a brother who is significantly older than me. He's fourteen years older, which is a pretty big age gap. And every every weekend I would go to <clears throat> he was living at my grandma's house at the time. I'd go over to to her house and spend the weekend with him. And we had a mutual friend, or he had a mutual friend, or he had a friend I should say who's now a mutual friend of mine, uh, who was huge into wrestling. He'd come over all the time. We'd play video games and what have you. And I, 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 I mentioned wrestling to my brother, who was a huge Hogan fan, but that was really about it. He liked the other stuff, but he was all about the Hulkster. Hulkamania's running worldwide, and it just turns me on, me, Gene. Um, this other, this other guy, this other, his friend that he had was a uh, he traded tapes, something that this was internet existed, but it wasn't readily available like it is in this day and age. So trading tapes was something that you would do, and he introduced me to all these other promotions and all these other older tapes that I that he had that he had traded or he had collected over the years. And I got to see Ric Flair wrestle for the first time. I got to see Sting wrestle for the first time, who became my all-time favorite worker, Sting. Uh, and it just it was one of those things that that was the first thing that I have ever watched or ever. I introduced to that I became such a fanatic so quickly that I just I became like an encyclopedia where I just wanted to absorb more and more and more and that's the reason why to this day 
I, I stay, I, I continue to, to watch because let's face it, there's times when the product is really bad and there's times when the product is really good. But from my experiences throughout the years of watching it, I've, I, I know that if you tough out the bad times, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get the good, the good moments that kind of what we're getting now and that we'll probably talk about later on. But you asked the question of the match, like what, what did it for you? Uh, to me, it, it was WrestleMania 13. It was, it was Austin versus Hart in the submission match. The, the match in which Austin never tapped out. Yeah, that's that was uh, that was that was my first standout match because you had this great storyline between these two guys, and then the actual match itself delivered. And I'm glad that I was introduced by the right people because even at a young age, I realized, and it's also too because it, times were changing too at that point, where wrestling had your gimmicks and gimmicks existed, and you needed characters. You needed gimmicks, but the overall match needs to deliver, or everything that you're doing doesn't exist, or or doesn't matter, I should say. Um, but yeah, that's that's my backstory on, on why why wrestling, and, and it's just it, it started with a kid that with nothing to do, nothing to watch on TV, and right place, right time for me. Interesting. Um. I'm not gonna lie. I did a lot of channel surfing when I was little. Uh, we were one of the only people on my block that had cable. And uh, for those of you who don't know, there was a point in time where cable television, if it got unplugged or shut off, there was usually like an eight to fourteen hour wait time for it to come back on. That's how bad. Uh, the signal was uh, delayed um, but uh, we had cable and uh, we were also lucky enough to live in um, such a market where a lot of uh, regular television stations we were we were able to get with uh, with an antenna and uh, what first caught my eye were two gigantic men with face paint called the road uh, I got to see them wrestle in Jim Crockett's NWA promotion, and um, they were huge, they were massive, they were very intimidating, and the best part, they were from Chicago, and I was like, this is great. So I got to watch them uh, go into this dingy little uh, studio and uh, proceed to wreak havoc uh, during a few squash matches, uh, for those of you who don't know what squash matches were, um, one, one person or, per, or one team in, in the match just basically dominates the other person or the other team, um, 
and it and it's done on purpose just to show that they have uh, they have a, a certain skill or, or they're supposed to be intimidating something like that but um, yeah I got to watch the Road Warriors uh, just demolish people for a couple weeks and uh, I was hooked I was like I, I have to have more of these guys and uh, let's see what else there is and at the time uh, I had access to NWA, which was the Crockett promotion on, on uh, WTBS, which is a Turner Network, or was a Turner Network. And then uh, without cable, I was able to watch um, World Class Championship Wrestling out of uh, Texas with the Von Erich family. Um, that was shown on uh, a local Chicago sh- uh, station. So, um, I got to watch a little bit of that. And then, of course, WWF. Uh, there was always Saturday Morning Superstars, um, which I watched a lot of. Um, and that's just all squash matches, basically. But, uh, yeah, after, after seeing the Road Warriors, I was, I was hooked. Hooked, line, and sinker. I, I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted to watch all the wrestling there was. And I couldn't get enough of it. And, um. As much as I wanted to watch it, believe it or not, I got sick and tired of it, and uh, I quit watching uh, in '93. And I went most of, all in '90, well, most of '93, all in '94, and then I got back into it uh, early '95. And uh, that was doing part to my godfather. He got me back into watching wrestling a second time, and uh, I've been I've been hooked ever since, one way or another. Even if the product is bad, I'm still asking people like what they thought of it, and you know who's who's out there, and, and things like that. So that's my story. So, well, like, what kept you? You talked about your frustration, and or or you turned away from wrestling for those two years. You said your uncle brought you back, but what was it that brought you back? It was a mixture of stuff. Um, probably the the biggest, well, the most eye-catching thing was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, I got wind of Stone Cold right as he became Stone Cold. Uh, I, I actually got to watch two or three matches like the last two or three matches that were televised of him being the ringmaster and I was just I actually used that as an argument against my uncle I was like this is why I stopped watching this shit and uh back then I I had a lot more respect for for my uncle but uh I didn't say shit to him but I was like I don't watch this crap because of stuff like this you know like uh-huh. this guy's clearly capable of being so much more right and then he cut the promo at King of the Ring and I got to see it and I'm like oh man yeah that's what I was waiting for this guy's gonna be great and then uh, at the same time my uncle got a hold of um tapes, he was trading tapes with a guy at work, and uh, he got a hold of some very early ECW stuff, and I got to see uh, 
more than a handful of promos that Terry Funk had cut for the company. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I was, first of all, I was shocked to see Terry Funk in such uh, an extreme setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point in time, I, 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 I didn't have access to many tapes outside of of what we recorded, uh, you know, here here on my end of the end of the spectrum. But you know, he had already been involved in stuff in Japan and stuff. But I didn't get to see any of that, so I had no idea that existed. And for Terry Funk to show up there and and not only speak so highly of the promotion, but um, just cut really good promos, really good interviews. I was like, I'm okay. I'm definitely intrigued. Now you're back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Now I got to find out everything there is to know about ECW. And, <laughs> and I, I just, again, I became a sponge again. And I yeah. absorbed anything and everything that, that came my way. Now, I obviously, I, I, I mentioned him because he was... He he was become he was that it guy, or at least becoming that when I first started really watching it. You mentioned it, and I know you were not in your head. So like, you talk about Stone Cold, and you hear about him obviously on, on a lot of these interviews that how important he was, how important that King of the Ring promo was. But like, from three fans' perspectives, who were, were probably in three different spots as far as wrestling fandom goes, um, how important was Stone Cold Steve Austin to? pro wrestling as a whole you want to start this one i would love to please (laughs) um earlier big man you talked about you know walking away for a few years i also did uh during that time for me i think i was just kind of bored with it um you know i i knew i knew you know i i like sean michaels i love bret hart but it just in undertaker but it it just wasn't enough for me and you know at that time uh my body was changing and i started liking girls more (laughs) and uh you know i wanted i wanted to play into metal bands and uh so that's where i was at i was starting to work and everything um so on saturday nights i'd get off at 11 p.m and i'd get home um and (laughs) i did not have cable I'd have to go to my grandma's or a friend's house to watch. Well, when I got back into wrestling, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, um, <laughs> but I would I would come home, and they would have Shotgun Saturday Nights, which oh, yeah. it was on regular TV, so I was able to watch that. And they, you know, they would have some matches like in this little bar area thing, <laughs> and um, still Cole was running running a promo. But before he came out, you know, I didn't know who the hell he was. Um, they were running some promos where he's talking shit about Bret Hart and you know he's cussing and I'm just like who the hell is this guy saying this shit about Bret Hart like who the fuck is he (laughs) blew me away and I was like I like this guy and I'm like but being an older wrestling fan like or a kid of the 80s you know I I don't know if I should like him because he clearly seems like a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) but but being a vulgar little bastard that I was I enjoyed it but I was also kind of like, who do I cheer for? Because I love the hitman, but this new guy, man, he's something else. And he's got fucking balls that I've never seen before. Um, so, lo and behold, I got to like have friends tape Raw for me. Um, or And then eventually, we, <laughs> my grandma did us a huge service uh, every Monday night. Me and my brother would go over to Grandma's house, and in the living room, my brother would be recording Raw, and I'd be in the back bedroom recording Nitro, and we were going back and forth 
you know, it's a school night, but it was so cool that we were able to uh, break the rules of going to bed early um, and, 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 like, you know, tape this stuff and watch it and just be all about it and just, you know, um, <laughs> just like when we were younger, you know, we're doing the moves on each other and jumping off his of shit and, you know, you know. <laughs> Except it was a little more serious the second time around. Because <laughs> we're older now. Um, but I would have to thank Stone Cold for uh, bringing me back to wrestling. And it, it totally happened inadvertently. And I was like, I was even showing my brother. I was like, dude, Joe, you got to check this guy out. And like, my brother became probably the biggest Stone Cold fan I've ever known in my life. Um, yeah, and then, you know, obviously greater things, you know, the NWO and all stuff like that. But when I started watching WCW again, like, you know, back in the day, like, I knew who Sting and Lex, Lugie, Lex Luger were. That's but okay, I'd... you can say Luger. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what he looks like now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh. <laughs> oh, poor Lex. Yeah, he looks like a Luger dripping down in a chair. <laughs> Sorry. so I was behind on the NWO stuff but you know quickly got brought up to speed and everything thankfully to uh, people having tapes Um, but yeah it was just it was so great it was so fresh and a lot of these older faces you know that you grew up and you loved and you're seeing them do things a little bit differently and like you know now all of a sudden there isn't such a thing as good guys and bad guys anymore you know um it was all point of view. <laughs> and, you know, even being a teenager, there were still times it's like, I'm kind of divided here. I don't know, like, who I want to win. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but it was it was just a great time, and uh, wrestling had life uh, breathed back into it. And, uh, yeah, I've been hooked again ever since. Um, feel the same way as you guys. Uh, I'll always keep watching, no matter how good or bad. Um uh, but Matt, I think you said it best: is that uh, when the payoff comes, it uh, it's, it's it's totally worth it then. <laughs> and then they jag you for a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> you're waiting for the payoff again. We've been around long enough to where we 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 know we we know that when it's good, it's good, and that's just that's just because we we love we love the business, we love wrestling, and that that's why we're 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 doing what we're doing right now. Uh, to share that love and passion for it so when it's when it's crap we will call it crap and you know we may not be as um intense when it comes to watching it but we definitely keep up with it because at least enough to where we know okay well now we need to watch it now we you know if it's like if, for example if it's wrestlemania season we know we, we should we should start watching a little bit more because something usually happens i kind of felt a little gypped this year personally but in, in in general, you know, it's 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 usually a good time of year to watch, um, and I think too, you mentioned WWE or WWF and then WCW, which was which was awesome because my sister and I did the same thing. I would watch Nitro, she'd have Raw on, and I we would run back and forth. You know, she was into wrestling for probably about six months, so we did this for six months every Monday, back and forth. And so I did it by myself um, because she wasn't she was too cool to like wrestling, and I was a little kid that was infatuated by it. But to have two promotions that were at the time killing it in, in all the right ways, and then again going back to my 
tape trading tape trading friend that would give me ECW stuff. He would give me New Japan stuff. Uh, I mean, I just I had all this wrestling, and you had you know. So even if Nitro had a bad night, you still had Raw, you still had ECW, you still had whatever else you can get your hands on, and and that's the same applies for today's wrestling where you have all these different organizations so even if you're frustrated with the wwe product which i am so so on it right now there's so much other stuff out there you can watch so you can continue to be a wwe fan but because i i just love wrestling all together i can watch new japan i can watch ring of honor i can watch whatever other uh promotions out there and so like that's that's kind of what I, I, I dig about it. Um, I know I'm going off topic, but that's we we brought up the raw and, and the, the raw nitro. That's that's just what I what I what I'm hearing out of it. Um, but I want to go back to you, Joe, uh, on the topic of Stone Cold. Why was he so important? Yeah, uh, I tell you what, watching him as the ringmaster, was, you could like. I, at that point, I had watched enough wrestling to know, like, look, they're clearly he's not happy with what he's doing, and he's just kind of going through the motions. And uh, I remember bits and pieces of him when he was in WCW as stunning Steve Austin, and I was familiar with him uh, being really a really good technical wrestler, and to watch him as the ringmaster, like. Him as the ringmaster paled in comparison to what he was as stunning Steve Austin. It was it, you could tell like he was being held back or, or, or something. Something was off, and he he just wasn't the same wrestler. And I, I looking back at it now, like I still wonder. Like I wonder really what changed. I mean, I, obviously we can find interviews and shit now but yeah um back then i just wrote it off as he's probably unhappy and you know i got into it with my uh my uncle and i'm like you know this is why i stopped watching this stuff i don't get me wrong i I like the million dollar belt it's cool but um yeah i just being dibiase's stooge basically like going out and doing his dirty work yeah yeah, I could care. I could give two shits. I could care less. But um, then he does the King of the Ring, and he cuts that promo. And what got me about and to me why that promo is so important is because of the way he did it, whether it was planned or not, it came across as very much unplanned. You still had Jake the Snake re- trying to recover, and you know he was still reeling from getting his ass beat. And Stone Cold's off to the side doing this interview with uh, Michael Hayes, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it it was just real. It felt very real. He you could tell all that that angst and frustration was coming out, and he just like let let loose. You know, and I'm like, holy crap. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. 
because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. I still feel like that was probably one of the realest moments in wrestling at the time. Like, he probably wasn't supposed to say everything he said. Even if it was planned, it came across as, as a shoot. And I was like, this is great. Like, let him, just let him do that from yeah. now on, you know. And they did. You know, they eventually got smart to it. Like, yeah, this works. Let's just let him be himself, you know. Just amplify it up to 15 instead of 10, so... And it obviously worked. So. I think a lot of it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, a lot of it is Stone Cold was that character. I shouldn't use character, but that that. But I'll use it for that for persona. Yeah, persona that broke that mold from gimmick to realistic wrestling. Yeah, because. I mean, like I said, he had he beat the crap out of Jake the Snake, mm-hmm. and Jake the Snake is just still hurting, hurting pretty bad. And you know, he's he's got his snakeskin wrestling boots on. Yeah. He's got the, the garb on the whole nine. And the moment he cut that promo, if he didn't look silly before, he sure as hell looks silly now. As we watch Kamala on the television. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it just seemed all too silly. Like, you know what? That You hit it on the head. I mean, every, after that promo, there was a lot of stuff that just seemed so outlandish. Yeah. It was just plain, straight-up silly and, and useless. And for him to do that with with uh, a few minutes of time, you know, kill all that, any momentum that product had, and then just basically suck it all up and, and, and use it against itself. It, it was it was great. It was so great. Because you, you saw shortly after that how the tide had changed. Um, especially in WWF because WCW was kind of already in that mentality. I mean, this is already post-Dungeon of Doom, WCW. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you, you, you saw you, you look at characters that were already there and, you know, you, you look at Shawn Michaels, he was no longer, and I know he wasn't necessarily the, the pretty boy persona then, but it was definitely a, you know what, screw it, we're gonna do a whole different Shawn Michaels. Undertaker changed. Undertaker got a lot more, a lot darker. Yeah. Okay. Right after yeah. that, you know, I mean, he was already a dark character after you see Speaking Undertaker come out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you just saw this whole other thing. I, I mean, with, with without without the that drop of gimmicks, I don't know if we if. They would have had the the courage to do what they did with with Undertaker, with you know crucifixions and 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 all that other stuff. So yeah, I I, I think that's why Stone Cold for me always goes down as one of my top top five favorites because he he changed the wrestling that we we see today. He was a major part of. I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. We're, what what year SummerSlam is this? This is '92 that we're so watching. So we're watching. Uh, WWF SummerSlam 1992. Undertaker's coming to the ring in uh, some sort of hearse. Yeah, it's a hearse. Um, you know how you you 
you'll see action figures marketed with like vehicles and shit. You know, obviously Spider-Man doesn't need a motorcycle, but you'll find them at the toy store with mm-hmm. motorcycle. Superman, does Superman really need a fucking helicopter? No, but he probably's got one somewhere. <laughs> you know, out of all the shit I've seen over the years, I'm just catching up to this now. But why does why was Undertaker never marketed with a hearse? That would have been fucking great. That's one vehicle that makes sense for action for his action figure. Yeah, he's a wrestler, but dude, he's the Undertaker. Absolutely, it's like Holy the Ghostbusters, shit. like the Ghostbusters have an Ecto One. Exactly. And dude, you hit the nail right on the head. Damn it! Someone owes me some fucking royalties. <laughs> now they're gonna come up with a Legends line, and yeah. it's gonna be him on the on the hearse. But you're, then they'll you're give welcome, Vince. What edit this? But then they'll <laughs> give other legends like senseless automobiles yeah. like JBL will have a, the, his well that one might that work. one made sense a little bit <laughs> I don't know what the fucking bull the horns is. yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that, that was my little that's thing. a shoulda woulda coulda right there shoulda woulda coulda um yeah Stone Cold super fucking important and um but you know what that that he wasn't the only one that kept me watching like I said I was in the ECW uh Whatever I could get my hands on. I mean, seeing Sandman and, and um, Raven, and, Raven, uh, yes. Tommy Dreamer, and Taz. Man, that was such a huge fucking Taz mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and Sabu. Oh God, how can I talk about fucking Terry Funk and ECW and not mention Sabu? That uh, one of the first, one of the first. Bits of video I saw with Sabu was when he he had had a barbed wire match with Terry Funk, and I saw the footage of him super gluing his wounds <laughs> shut just so that he could continue the match. Uh, I think that speaks volumes about uh, just how faithful you are to uh, your job. Cause shit, I mean that was some wild shit back then, right? At that point in time, that was probably some of the craziest shit I had ever seen, and uh, and that was just one match <laughs> off of a card, you know. So yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, other shit kept me watching. And and like they said, I you know we they're not the only ones. I I still keep abreast of everything. I'm I'm watching a lot of wrestling now, uh, especially with my little one, and uh, she's uh, she's all about it. She's she loves the Bullet Club, by the way, and uh, she can't stand Kenny Omega. She she loves Cody Rhodes. She thinks he's the rightful uh, leader of the Bullet Club there. Hey, <laughs> remember, Cody doesn't have a last name. Yeah, according yeah, to JR. You're right. My bad, Kate, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a that, that's a youth thing to to not like Kenny Omega at this day and age. To me, it's it's like it's it's like the equivalent of. Disliking Hogan in the eighties, only I feel like I would be that kid still. Um, and I know I know I've talked about you to you about this. Uh, we've met before. I I look I, just because I brought up Hogan. I have to say this is just a disclaimer for me as a type of wrestling fan that I I hope I would have been that <laughs> oh, at, at that era. <laughs> I I like to believe, and again I'll never know this, that even in that era, if I grew up in the same era you did. That I would be the Macho Man fan that I am today, 
why you know when it, in comparison to to Hogan that I wouldn't get sucked into Hulkamania because I just I never I can never get it. I've I've had you guys explain it to me. I've had my brother explain it to me. I've had a guy who grew up in that era and disliking Hogan still explain it to me. And it's like it, it I I can't I can't I can't fathom that idea of being behind uh, Hogan because. The thing is, I understand he never had squash matches, but I still feel he kind of did because every match was the same exact thing. Even if it was a, a 10-minute or 15-minute match, it was he was going to get beat up and then he was going to like have a seizure in the ring and then he was untouchable. <laughs> and that was that was a Hogan match in a nutshell. Um, but then, then I watch then I watch some of the stuff he did in, in Japan and, uh, and I was like, why, why couldn't that Hogan have come here? You can still be your American superhero or whatever. Because, you know, you mentioned Superman. Like, Hulk Hogan was the Superman of pro wrestling. He was just, he was a man with too many powers. He, uh, well, yeah, he was, I mean, he was just Superman in general. Yeah. He, he was like pop culture Superman. Yeah, and, you know, I I just, I felt that, you know, you could still wrestle guys and, and put on good matches and and still do your your say your vitamins and or say your prayers and eat your vitamins and rip your shirt off. Train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, be true to yourself, true to your country, be a real American. And do all that and still put on uh, at least a decent match. Um, and I, I'm not trying to bash Hogan because life has already done that for him. <laughs> But I, I would like to still feel that even in the eighties, I I would have been a Macho Man fan. I would have been. I know they were in the same promotion, but I would have been more of a Ric Flair fan than Hogan. Uh, but that's just wishful thinking. I I, just, I have to, I have to say that's the reason why I I this type of wrestling fan that I am. I've I've always been anti Hogan. Um, the only time that I ever tolerated Hogan was when uh, Bash at the Beach 96 when he when he turned his back on the uh, <laughs> the yellow and red and, and joined the NWO so I was selling out the world brother while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school I uh, I know where you're coming from but uh, I still think you would have been sucked in I really do I feel that I probably would have been because yeah. I Keep in mind, I had access to like at least three different organizations at any given time, and I was still a huge Hogan mark, and I got to watch a lot of Ric Flair. Yeah, because I wasn't just watching him in NWA; I was watching him in World Class. As World well. Class, yeah, from great matches against Von Erichs. Yeah, and so um, I've always been a fan of technical wrestling, mm-hmm. and Hog- obviously Hogan is not any of that. Like you're not going to see that from Hogan you're just not that's not what he's about but um you couldn't help it and and I and I also want to say that I I was also a Macho Man fan like uh we talked about Wrestlemania 3 the other day yeah the big draw you know they were selling that pay-per-view as Hogan versus versus Andre and by far that was their big marketing scheme but Steamboat and Savage stole that show and me being as young as I was watching that, I knew that like that was a better match. Yeah. And um, did it make me any less of a Hogan mark? 
no, oh my god, it was still so fucking cool to see him slam Andre. And and but did it make me more of a a fan of Savage and Steamboat? Of course. Oh my god, those guys put on a fucking clinic and a half. And and anybody who uh, will tell you otherwise, like they're they're just biased uh, that they're like they're too much of a Hulk Hogan fan. They they just are because I mean that was a fucking piece of classic wrestling right there between Steamboat and Savage. Matt, I do have a question for you. Hey, what no. what you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> that is part two yeah, of the question. Th- th- he's, he's a huge Hogan fan, so I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> My question is this. Okay, so the big man and I, our answers are pretty similar on the whole Hogan thing. Yes. Uh, countless other people I know, and I know you know, have answered pretty similar too. Yes. Now, was your brother and your brother's friend, the mutual friend you guys have, were their answers similar? Oh yeah, exactly. It was. It's they were all pretty much identical. Okay. You know, my my brother, my brother grew up. I mean, he was born. He was born in the seventies. So he was when Hogan when Hulkamania took off in eighty three. He was about eight years old. I believe that was the year Hulkamania took off. Uh, and he was. It was that age. I mean, he was at that impressionable age where it's like this guy is like. I don't want to use. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fair to say he was like a god because yes. he, he was in that era. He was he was the guy, you know. And for him also to uh, to knock off you know a, a Middle Eastern man uh, in the Iron Sheik for that first title it was a huge deal as well for you know political reasons. You know, he was the, indeed the American hero, the all American hero. Um, the the mutual friend that we had was was not a Hogan fan, but he, he respected Hogan for what he was. Even to this day, he respects Hogan for what he was, or what he is, I guess. Um, but yeah, the answers were exactly the same. I mean, it was just the... I mean, this was also, too, a wrestling was more of a... And I get you guys... Now, and I don't mean to be disrespectful and call you guys old, but you guys were older than me, so you guys were around during this time where Hogan was more of a, a wrestling as a whole... Was I would imagine was more of a, a a household thing. It was definitely more impactful than what it is now. I mean, if you're if you're taking over a Saturday Night Live time slot once a month, you got to be doing something right. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. Compared to now, now I mean, it's huge now, but amongst your core fans, I mean, everyone's kind of identified either you're a wrestling fan or you're not, for the most part. Um, it was a it was a cultural thing. It was. It, it was it was just and, and so it makes sense it makes sense but my thing was it's just like I get that but you could put Randy Savage in that spot and he could be the all-american hero too but better that's the way I've always looked at it I mean you could put I, mean, I don't want to say anybody but you could put a lot of other guys in that maybe, spot I don't know about savage maybe if he changed his gimmick a little bit because he well, was just, true he was too high strung to be uh, an American hero for me anyway like, yeah he just he was always on edge you know like he had eaten <laughs> fucking like 16 bags of coffee before he walked that's, out that's very true you that's know? very true scare the shit out of kids oh yeah <laughs> I'm talking about all the way to the top yeah unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in but the cream will rise to the top you're in a good time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
like sitting on Santa Claus's lap, and then you look up and Santa Claus wearing a Michael Myers mask. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know about Savage being uh, as big as Hogan, but yeah. Well, let me ask you this then, um, Hogan, that character, or just that I guess that character or that guy, uh, does he does he work anywhere else? Or does it have to be WWF? The way that they they pushed gimmicks more so than really it seems anybody pushed gimmicks. Even during a time where gimmicks weren't as adamant as they were towards the the later eighties, going into the nineties. I but, I think I think no. I I think he doesn't work anywhere else but WWF, and and the reason being. I mean, obviously, you had other federations out there, organizations that, uh, you know, played up the whole Cold War angle where they were always fighting Russians. You know, I think everybody had Russians one way or another, um, and they were all heels, Mm -hmm. at least until, I think, probably Nikita Koloff turned babyface, but... Yeah, to um, to help out Sting, yeah. But, um, I don't think it would work because... They just didn't have the national platform that WWF had, and I think that helped a lot. And in the whole, um, you know, they had they had a better grip of pop culture. You know, they had Cyndi Lauper. They had yeah. celebrities come to WrestleMania. Mr. T. Mr. T. You know, they didn't have that. You didn't get that with NWA. You know, you didn't you didn't get that with World Class. Like they were they were much much more regional you know they weren't they weren't on a national level per se and i think that's unfortunately what hurt them in the end was was stuff like that i mean they, it's not like they didn't have the talent i mean yeah. fucking the crockett promotions had like all the fucking talent oh yeah you know they were stacked to the gills and even when they did pay-per-views and you know big shows there there was none of that. There was it, it wasn't. Yeah, they had Russian guys. Was it, was it like? Was it all the Russian contingency against uh, one guy for the sake of the country? No, it, it was the Russians coming to beat up the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But Dusty Rhodes, like Dusty Rhodes, is no Hulk Hogan, you know. And it was it was never going to be that way. So I don't know whether you could you chalk that all up to uh, like um, just a, a not enough business vision, you know, like foresight mm. or, or or what the deal is. But yeah, to me, it, it, he, Hogan wouldn't have worked anywhere else. Well, think about it like this too. I mean, I know he was Hulkamano already ran wild before he went to WCW, but then when he tried in WCW. It's cool to see him there, no doubt. It but wasn't it wasn't the same. it damn right it wasn't yeah. the same. It didn't have the same effect, so Yeah, that's why I chimed in and said that. Yeah, he 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 came you know, obviously that's why they signed him. You know, well, he he took, he, he's definitely notoriety. a draw now. He had a you know, he was yeah. a draw, he had all that notoriety, you know, like why not sign him? You're gonna you're gonna draw him and then you're gonna go on go ahead and have it on Monday nights. I mean, that's good business. Yeah, it was just a good business deal. And, you know, obviously it wasn't wasn't the same uh, thing the second time around. 
But also, again, here you have WCW, who is just not as big as WWF. Um, let's face it. I mean, they, they were the more um, substantial product. And it just it didn't work. Mm. It, they, they were too regional. They were, they were for, for all intents and purposes, they were a southern-based promotion. Oh yeah, out of Atlanta, and that's what you got. You got a lot of they. Uh, don't get me wrong; they had a big following down south, but it was nothing like up north. You know, and they didn't have a big New York presence. I remember reading in uh, Pro Wrestling Pro Wrestling Illustrated where they would there would be Crockett shows, NWA shows run like big shows in the Nassau Coliseum in New York. And that was a big, pretty important venue mm-hmm. in the way of territories. And there was more than a handful of times where um, they fucked up ticket sales. Like, they either oversold it or they, uh, you know, there was problems with ticketing in general. And then you'd have, uh, like, dates being messed up on the tickets so these people would show up for a show that wasn't around. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Things like that. Yeah. And you can't, you can't have a Hulk Hogan pulling bullshit like that yeah. you just can't it doesn't work I, I think my 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 other huge gripe and it's probably the biggest gripe out of them all and it's it's really more just the promotion it's more of WWF but because of Hogan and who I feel is his half assed wrestler guys like Piper guys like uh Kurt Henning in the in the in the early nineties, like they get overlooked, as great as they were. I mean, they you put those guys, you put Kurt Henning against the Brooklyn Brawler, he's going to have a better match than Hogan's going to have against anybody, um, because it's Kurt Henning. If you don't know who Kurt Henning is, look him up. Uh, you shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he's he 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 was exactly his name. He was he was definitely Mister Perfect in that ring. Henning was another one that. I, that was another one I, I used to watch too was AWA mm-hmm. and uh, Henning definitely was a, a better technical wrestler and, and a better worker in AWA than he was in WWF and if you liked him in WWF man you should go back and watch his AWA oh absolutely stuff. absolutely um, and that's it's, it's funny that you mention that because like that's that's that was what I was going to segue to next was that whole I, I, idea of wrestling uh, in, in WWE and compared to wrestling outside of in, in, in other promotions. Um, and you see it all the time. And that that's a perfect example of where Kerr Henning is, now I want to say was watered down, but compared to what he was doing in AWA, like you mentioned, was fairly much watered down. And that's something that continues nowadays and that's and a, a quick comment is the reason why I segue to this was because I, th- I think that's the reason why a lot of people still to this day still have resentment towards a John Cena because he is the present day equivalent of, of Hulk Hogan he is the today's superhero who unfortunately quite honestly let, let's, let's face it is, is at, at the same has the same type of persona as yeah, but a Hogan. it's a different it's a different climate. And that's why I, that's why I don't like John Cena. Like clearly he's 
for all intents and purposes, he's Hulk Hogan. But to if, me, to me, it doesn't work because if you were, it's not the same climate. If John Cena was, if they had like members of ISIS instead of Russian wrestlers, and then John Cena played up the angle that yeah. he was the biggest American or whatever. Guess what? I bet it fucking works better than what he's doing now. Yeah, you know. So if you if you were you know an eight year old kid. Would you be a John Cena fan? Would would it be the same feel to you? I mean, I'm 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 trying to put you in that mindset because that's that's. I, just... I, I still say I still say no, and, and because it's we don't have. It isn't it isn't the same cultural climate as what happened with Hulk Hogan. Is it just the because because again this was Hulk Hogan the real American? Yeah, and what was America doing at the time? taking part in the Cold War. That was always a constant thing. Mm. And so whether the Russians were, whether whether he was fighting the Russians or not, anybody who was seen as uh, international at that point went up against Hulk Hogan. It, it, it already took the current climate, social climate, and elevated it. And it, it caused his character to have a, a more profound effect on people. These days, again, I think the only way that works with Cena is if, one, he got rid of the fucking, um, I don't, I don't know what you, you want to call it, but the, I don't want to say the, the rapper or the, the thug or whatever, whatever he wants to call it, however you want to refer to it, get rid of that, have him come in and just be all about the troops, because let's face it that's kind of what he does these days he's all about the troops and make a wish have him be that wholesome as wholesome as possible have him be that wrestler just that and then pit him against you know uh man i'm probably gonna get a lot of heat for this but fucking korean wrestlers and (laughs) middle eastern wrestlers that are supposed to be mimicking whatever your stereotypical ISIS person is supposed to be like. You know, because, let's face it, there's a lot of people who think ISIS is just Middle Eastern people, and that's not the case these days. But, um, yeah, you would have to pit him against something like that in order for him to have the same effect on me now as Hulk Hogan did back then. Because whether whether I want to admit it or not, that's what Hulk Hogan was. I mean, that's how every everybody saw it. Like uh, Mr. Wrestling Six over here said earlier, he gave you that that sense of everything's going to be okay. Hogan's going to come down here. He's going to beat some ass no matter who it is. And you know, is he going to get hurt doing it? Probably. But he comes back and he always wins. And it gave you that reassurance. Everything's going to be okay. I don't see that with Cena. I don't see that one bit. I, I can't stand John Cena. <laughs> there's no cloud of comfort with John Cena. No, no, there's not. <laughs> no amount of thugonomics can comfort me <laughs> in, in my current state. Well, it's just I think it's because wrestling is so real now. Sometimes we don't know. If, hey, is this a storyline or is this really real? You know, are yeah. are, are these people married? Are these people really fighting backstage? Um, and you know, 
there's a lot of people who just hate just to hate. And I mean, but back then, I, I can't remember anybody. I mean, yeah, I was a little kid, but I can't remember anybody ever saying they hated Hulk Hogan. Yeah, no one hated me. Hulk Hogan. No one. Other than the people wrestling him. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I don't ever remember somebody telling me that, you know, they want Sid Justice to fucking beat Hulk Hogan. Right. Uh, yeah, no one wanted to see King Kong Bundy beat Hulk the, Hogan. It's it's the times, man. It's uh, I guess it's all your, your point of view now. I mean, I remember when... Don Morocco was holding Hogan in the corner, and King Kong Bundy was continually giving the giving him like the big splash, and they broke his ribs. And I was completely fucking bent out of shape. I was like, I can't fucking believe this is going on. This is crap. Like they're hurting Hulk Hogan. You know what? You no, know, I I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was real. You know. Yeah, plus the way nowadays that, that I talked about it being very real, that the way people call scene out, like, whether that stuff is true or not, yeah, they've called him out on, you know, these things. Back then, that didn't happen. Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't happen. Completely, uh, I, yeah. I think a lot of it, too, is that, you know, the, the way the world is, not a lot of people give a fuck anymore, and they just say whatever. And I'm sure there's been some wrestlers that have gotten their fucking hand slapped for saying whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely, uh, it seems to this day and age that the, the, the fourth wall has definitely been broken in pro wrestling and that line between kayfabe and, and real has been broken on one, on one uh, too many occasions. Uh, so, yeah, I can definitely see John Cena not being the same thing, but... I, I, I still look at him as the closest equivalent to the Hogan era just because the way that he has run over so many top-tier talents. And, I, and, I, and again, it's, it's the same thing. Because John Cena has been champion so many times for so long, other guys were passed up because of it. And that's the same reason why I, look at, why I looked at Hogan, like because he was champion, especially from 83 to, I think, what was it, 88 when he lost the title. To, to Andre and then it became uh, vacant uh, during that, that five year span you know there was plenty of guys that could have been champion you didn't need a five year championship ring I know that was wrestling back then I mean that was a short ring compared to like Bruno Sammartino yeah, and, oh god you know and you know <laughs> Lou Thez with the NWA title right, held it for right. almost a decade I believe uh, so I just that that's that's my biggest resentment for those two, and and it's never a hate thing because Hulk Hogan, whether I like him or not, played a huge same way as Stone Cold did. We talked about earlier, played a major role in, in pro wrestling indeed, and was a uh, he was the the gateway for for many wrestlers to become wrestlers themselves and 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 fans alike.
Where's he What on? are you talking about? Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Go get him, baby! Come on and get some of this now! Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived! Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh my god! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! He is the third man! Look at this. this picture! Oh my god! What the hell is going on? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? I, probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan.